Hello and welcome to the special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 20th letter. Well, I mentioned in the last podcast that there may have been a strategy or a pedagogical significance of C.S. Lewis in not mentioning sex for the first 17 letters. But here we have three letters in a row that revolve around this theme. But the point is not that it should be a surprise that there is a unique attention to sexuality. For as Screwtape admitted in letter 18, it's through the family that there is an icon to the Blessed Trinity. Okay, he didn't say it quite like that. But that is how powerful the family is. That God in his infinite wisdom instilled in us a drive to reproduce and a natural attraction to the opposite sex so that more of those icons of his love would be manifest in the world. That the evil one would want to attack and distort that urge, that desire, makes sense. It's that urge that unites two rational creatures with an immortal soul together in a one flesh union. To get that one flesh union wrong is to get the family wrong. And if we get the family wrong, then we get the city wrong. And then we'll get the state wrong. And then we'll get the nation wrong, right? This has rippling effects. And is it a radical statement right now to say that we have a nation that has radically gone wrong? And and then I guess in comparison, can we say that like, hmm, and it's not surprising that as our nation is in this really horrible place, so too is our understanding of the human person and sexuality. Now we're down to like, okay, this is it. This is such an important issue. And to really understand it, we'll look, so to speak, at the game film of the enemy. What are the attacks of the evil one and how he wants to undo this core understanding of who we are as male and female, our attraction to the opposite sex, um, and all those tastes that the evil ones love to distort and misrepresent. So let's dive in. Screw tape um, starts off in the opening paragraph with delight. He's delighted. Um, okay. Let's dive into Screwtape unlocking a number of insights into the attacks that go to the core of who we are. In the opening paragraph, we should be delighted that Screwtape is displeased with his nephew, Wormwood. What's happened? Well, remember, Wormwood has his patient whom he is attacking and influencing in a particular way with regard to the virtue of chastity. Chastity. What is chastity? Well, I feel like in my priesthood, I've tried with some pretty good intentionality to undo a real misrepresentation of chastity as being just a denial of sex or a denial of even sexuality or a repression of attractions and desires. Chastity is hardly a no, but it really is a yes. Chastity is this virtue that sees the fullness of who I am and in truth desires to give myself away in a proper way to the other person that I'm in a relationship with. Do you see that it's not even necessarily having to do with sexuality, although whenever I talk about giving myself away in an authentic way, 
it does have implications to sexuality, but it all has to do with the positive. How do I know who I am? How do I have a self mastery in myself so that I can be a true gift to the other person? So it's not just the married person that needs to be chased. It's also the unmarried person. It's even the celibate priest who needs to be chased. It means a proper living out of their vocation to love. So what are the attacks on this patient's chastity? Well, we don't exactly know, but it sounds somewhere in the realm of promiscuity. What do those temptations sound like? Oh my goodness, gosh, we're bombarded with it today. Oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, come on, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, come on, as long as you both agree to it. I know that you know you're using her and she knows that you're that she's using you. Sorry, I got that mixed up. Right, but as long as you agree on it, it's, then it's okay or something like that, right? Like, how about this lie? You'll get away with it. There will be no consequences. This is a lie in our world today, right? That you can have this, all of this sex with no consequences. Gosh, what did that sound like in the 1940s? I don't even know, but I just know it's intense for our young people to not even the young people. It's intense for everybody. So God in this um, scenario with this patient, he sees how far the demon has gone and screw tape talks about him coming in to protect the patient at this point in the attack. Um, I hope I'm not reading too far into this, but I kind of have a problem with the way that C.S. Lewis articulates how this worked, how like these temptations stopped. It sounds like he's describing it almost exclusively as a supernatural occurrence. Like the temptations have gotten so bad that God finally sympathizes and breaks in with a force field around the patient. And I just think that's a real misunderstanding or misrepresentation of how God works in our in our battles and our struggles and our growth in virtue. We know that grace builds on nature. So in virtue, there is the strengthening of our nature through our will, our intellect, and building our good habits. So that now the grace of God gives is able to be poured out in even greater amount so that we can cooperate with him in our ability to, to choose what is good and do what is right. Does that make sense? I hope so, right? Yeah, so whenever we pray for chastity, whenever we pray for purity, we're not just praying for this magical transformation, but we're really working in our own in our own life to build up these great attributes of generosity and selflessness and in all these all these ways that allow God's grace to really work with our own efforts. Great. So let's move on. Screw tape allows Wormwood to admit a defeat of, of this battle, right? In other words, that the patient is not going to give in to promiscuity or unchastity or impurity before marriage. That should give us like a woohoo. Like sometimes these letters kind of fall just in the theoretical, but C.S. Lewis is writing this in a way that to imagine there's a real person here who's under this incredible attack and he's victorious, right? Right? Like he defeated that, the evil one on that battle for promiscuity. So gosh, do we see that in our own victories, our own denials of the temptations for promiscuity or impurity, whatever it is, 
gosh, will the demons sigh in anguish? Heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices that we have been strong and we have um, won that battle. But that's no opportunity to rest and recline and put our feet up. For now, the assault is on to the next battle for the evil one. The promotion of a desirable marriage. Remember, this is desirable in the upside down way. So in God's eyes, it's undesirable. And how so? Well, in the second paragraph, Screwtape sets up the explanation of how they can use his experience of falling in love to attract him to a distorted type of woman. In the third paragraph, perhaps you've already discovered the in-depth analysis of how the images of being male and female have come to be distorted or twisted. And this is just a fascinating take when we consider where we are nowadays. It's not even politically correct to note that men and women are different. But C.S. Lewis in the 1940s had the insight to note how one of the attacks against a woman's body is to make it scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. Okay, more on that in a second, but let's get to how he presents it and builds up to it. He notes that master demons deep down the lowerarchy. I love that. He just made it up. It's, a, it's not a real word, but it's a flipping of the hierarchy in heaven, the lowerarchy in hell. Deep down, these master demons work in every age to produce a general misdirection of sexual taste. All of the social norms, the expectations, the fashion trends, what's in, what's out, what's hot and what's not, are all under incredible attack. Are we surprised, really? Maybe as we go through these examples, we can think about ways that the evil one is attacking our sense of sexual taste in our world today. By, by twisting their sexual taste, the demons guide men and women away from those of the opposite sex who would make for spiritually helpful, happy, and fruitful marriages, right? Like, like we admitted at the beginning of this podcast, this is no small trivial matter. Um, it gets to the very core of the icon of the Blessed Trinity. So males are pointed towards first, but not really much in consideration or comparison to women. But one of their secondary characteristics that has been distorted is the beard. The beard has been made to be disagreeable to nearly all women, says Screwtape. Now, this might seem arbitrary, but can we appreciate how, by and large, it's clearly a characteristic that men can grow facial hair in a categorically different type and degree than women? Largely, this was seen as a sign of their masculinity and Okay, that can be taken too far that if this was the only value that showed one's masculinity, okay, that would be weird or distorted and not helpful. But um, I, I guess this is important to me and not just <laughs> because I have my own beard, but there, there's a lot to be said for just a real dignity and strength that comes uh, can be expressed through a beard. Um have you ever heard St. Augustine? He has this great quote. He says, the beard signifies the courageous. The beard distinguishes the grown men, the earnest, the active, the vigorous. So that when we describe such, we say, he is a bearded man. End quote. 
Thank you, St. Augustine. And just in case you're not totally convinced, St. Clement of Alexandria also said this in comparison to women, right? For God wished women to be smooth and rejoice in their locks alone, growing spontaneously as a horse in his mane. But I don't think I emphasize that right. Sorry, let me read that. For God wished women to be smooth and rejoice in their locks alone, growing spontaneously as a horse in his mane. In comparison then, but God has adorned man like the lions with a beard and endowed him as an attribute of manhood with a shaggy chest, a sign of strength and rule. I hope this podcast didn't get weird as we're talking about a shaggy chest, <laughs> but gosh, another distinguishing characteristic of a, of a man. Um, not to make it too much about that, but to appreciate, okay, men and women are different and there are certain secondary characteristics that set them apart that actually God designed to show a complementarity and attractiveness to a, a deep strength and a courage and a vigor that women should find attractive. I promise I'm not just trying to justify my own <laughs> beard. Okay, so let's then, move, let, let's then move to the misdirections on the female body. He describes um, how the statuesque and the aristocratic form or type of a woman can lead men to be attracted to the arrogant and prodigal or loose women. He then gives another example of the exaggeratedly feminine type that is weak and dainty. And this can lead men to a littleness as opposed to inspiring them to greatness, right? That makes sense. If women fall into this image of like, oh, what I need to do is just be totally helpless. It's like, <laughs> that's not actually good for you. And it's not actually good for how in women in your own strength that you would call men out to a great courage and a great self-sacrifice that can lift you up as women and can call men to the heights that they're made to, uh, to soar to. Then he gets to the current track where women's bodies are scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. Since this is a kind of beauty even more transitory than most, we thus aggravate the female's chronic horror of growing old with many excellent results. I just hear screw tape laughing. With a chronic horror of growing old and render her less willing and less able to have children. How true is this still today, right? Oh my goodness, the proposal of a, a truly beautiful woman as not being one that is full of life, um, ready and able to bear life and to actually allow her body to be offered in a way um, for her husband and for her family, but in this way that is indistinguishable from a young boy. This is an adolescent vision of uh, of female body. One that is so quickly transitory, right? It is transitory to be able to create way for the full maturation of a woman's body that God created to be able to bear life. Now, please, that can, you know, clearly be misunderstood or misrepresented to reduce women's value or their beauty to their ability to bear children. And that's not it. There is no greater pain that I've 
come across than those couples, especially women who struggle with fertility. So that is a grief. That is a horror. And that doesn't mean that you're broken, (laughs) but that does mean that there is something wrong. God designed women to be able to bear life and through sin, through disobedience, we have a broken world. We do. But to propose this um, adolescent vision of a woman that is so transitory to be able to create space for the full vision of a woman ready to give her life, to create space for another life within her, it would actually render women less willing and less able to have children. This is true biologically, and I would imagine emotionally too. So are these examples that C.S. Lewis that C.S. Lewis gives, are they unfair? Especially as he proposes a lot more female examples. And I think we often read our femin, our modern feminist viewpoint on things that need to be reread in a lens of biblical truth. Remember that women are the crown of creation, that God truly saved the best for last. Also, remember that Eve is the one who in the beginning received the attack from the serpent. I would argue not because she's the weaker of the sex, but because she is the gatekeeper of humanity. Her strength and role is so powerful to bring innumerable generations of souls to the Lord or to lead them astray. Women's bodies, I would argue, are an archetype of what we are all called to, to bear life within us. And while naturally women's bodies bear natural life through a selfless act of love, supernaturally, all of humanity is made to bear divine life through the selfless act of Christ's love on the cross and through the Eucharist. No wonder the female body is under attack. It is meant to be a reminder to all of humanity of how we are made for divine life. I hope that makes sense, right? This is everything and not to see it as sexist or unfair, but actually an elevating of just who the woman is. One more note on this third paragraph. The propaganda of the news and media are all fake, fake, fake. (laughs) They claim to present the bodies in the nude because they are trying to be natural. But they go against that very nature by photoshopping it to propose something not even real, let alone attainable. How sad it is for a young woman to grow up and be bombarded with all these lies about how her body should be. Have you ever seen that uh, Dove commercial? I looked it up. It's called Dove Evolution. I I attached the YouTube link in the show notes if you can uh, take a look at it. But it it just shows this woman who comes to um, be a model and she has her hair all done. She has her makeup all done and she's looking beautiful. But then all of a sudden, before the pictures actually start flashing, they... Oh, sorry. They, the pictures flash. They take the picture and then they take it to the computer screen. And now they start to doll her all up and they actually lengthen her neck and they actually expand her um, cheek. And then they actually grow her eyes and shape her nose. And all of a sudden, it's not even the same woman anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's fake, fake, fake. And this incredible Dove Evolution commercial ends with, no wonder 
our perception of beauty is so distorted. It kind of gives us a behind the scenes look at the lies. Here's a great quote from this letter. As a result, we are more and more directing the desires of men to something which does not exist, making the role of the eye in sexuality more and more important and at the same time making its demands more and more impossible. What an amazing insight. And this was before Photoshop, before social media and everything else that makes producing unrealistic images so easy today. Okay, Uh, as we come just to comment quickly on this last paragraph, this paragraph four, I guess they're four and five. We have Screwtape encouraging Wormwood to now take his patient down one of two directions, the imaginary terrestrial Venus and the imaginary infernal Venus. This was a hard last section. I'm going to do my best to try and explain it, right? Venus is the Roman goddess of beauty. So this terrestrial woman has a natural spiritual beauty that actually works within the enemy's plans, right? For one man, one woman in a lifelong commitment that this, that a man would be attracted to. So the demons hate that, but they can sometimes use it to entice a patient into coveting another man's wife wishing that she were not in that marriage or that he was not in his own marriage in coveting or this insight was powerful or into actually objectifying lusting over his own wife how about that for a, a play from the evil one that even though spouses would work within the enemies sorry within god's <laughs> i'm talking like screw tape within god's plan for marriage there could still be an objectification, a lusting over one another. The Lord calls all to chastity, true, authentic love, especially within marriage. So that's the one direction. The other direction is the infernal Venus. This infernal Venus, right, may not be beautiful, but she carries with her a danger that entices him. Typically, This would not be the woman he wants to marry, but sometimes can be provoked into thinking he has fallen in love with her because of the passion she incites. And then with that horrifying concluding line from Screwtape, the unhappiness produced is of a very lasting and exquisite kind. We'll end there, and maybe we should just end by desiring to pray Uh, for chastity, pray for purity, pray for courage, um, pray for honesty, should pray for uh, the young people growing up in this pornographic culture. The promiscuity breeds a real unhappiness that Screwtape references, and we just need to fight against it, first and foremost with prayer and fasting, and I also believe promoting the vision of beauty, of the true biblical vision of the human person and human sexuality. And this was the great project of Pope St. John Paul II was this with his theology of the body that I really believe gives a great proposal of authentic, real and fulfilling love. St. Michael, the archangel defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou O Prince of the heavenly host 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. I'll see you next time.